Oprah. Oprah is the word of the day. It's happened. May 20th, 2021. The impossible. I have this as episode 373. You may have it as something greater because of Samson sit downs and whatever else. I had an over under of 500 when Oprah would be the word of the day. And I took the over. But it happened. Oprah is the word of the day. Why? Because you get a car. You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. Not you, Coca. You have a car. You get a car. Do you remember when she did that? That was planned. Do you think she should have said it this way? You get a car, but have to pay the taxes. You get a car, but have to pay the taxes. You win a car. Do you know what all these uh, prices right? The price is wrong, bitch. Can I say that, Coca? That was a funny movie with Bob Barker. So do you know when you win on a game show, you have to pay taxes? Like Richard Hatch won Survivor, he won a million dollars and he went to jail because he said, oh, I don't get a million dollars. No, that's called income. When you win a prize on a game show, the value of the prize is income. Retail value of $852. That's when you win like an oven or a stove. Now, it doesn't matter what you bid. Dollar. Remember on Prices Right, people bid a dollar because if you go over, Prices Right rules. If you bid over, you lose. So all these Oprah people got cars and they had to pay taxes. Some of them couldn't pay taxes, so they didn't take the car. So it's not as though Oprah was giving away cars to everyone. Sometimes it's not great to give away a gift like that without asking. But now it's time to get to why you get a car and you get a car is interesting to me today. You got a no hitter and 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 you got a no hitter. Corey Kluber, the $11 million man, former Cy Young award winner, oft injured pitcher on the Yankees a day after Spencer Turnbull pitched a no hitter for the Detroit Tigers a day after we talked about how insane it is that the Mariners and Indians have been no hit twice in the same season. Ridiculous. The Texas Rangers got no hit for the second time this season. It can't be. Is that stat right, Coca? Why is that even in my head? The Indians, Rangers, and Mariners have been no hit twice. Corey Kluber. The way it works in a front office, just so you're aware, when it, someone pitches a no-hitter, you have no illusions that that changes your evaluation of that pitcher. It's like a hitter going five for five in a game and saying, let's sign him to a long-term deal. How did Jared Kelnick do? He's slumping as a rookie. Started off his second game. He had all those hits and everyone said, oh my God, it's Babe Ruth. He may be, but you don't evaluate based on that. Someone tweeted at me, you were wrong, Samson. Corey Kluber was a great signing for the Yankees. Well, let me tell you a thing or two about evaluation in Major League Baseball. A no-hitter does not make me wrong or the Yankees right. It means that on May 19, 2021, the Texas Rangers were so inept that they got no hits. Corey Kluber's pitches were working. 71 pitches for strikes, which is what you have to do in this game. 
throw strikes in this game of baseball, this modern-day game. But the Corey Kluber signing will only be evaluated after a full season, whether or not he can stay healthy, whether or not he can actually be a number two or number three starter in a rotation that goes deep into October. Not whether or not on a random Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever day yesterday was that you would be able to pitch a no-hitter. A lot of people have commented on the number of no-hitters. It's becoming a the topic du jour. And the reason it's becoming the topic is, have you ever had something in your life that's very unique and so you celebrate it and then it happens more often and then it becomes harder to celebrate? Like, how about the first time that you had sex? You celebrate that, right? That, oh my God, it's the greatest thing ever. And you put your arms in the air. You sort of, right? You're just happy that it happened. You can't believe how lucky you are. and You can't believe what you missed and all the rumors of what you heard are true. But then you do it every day and you don't really go through the jumping jacks afterward. It becomes, yeah, that was good. Thank you. Or yeah, let's do that again soon but you don't have that same celebratory feeling. Well, that's the same thing with anything that starts off as unique. No hitters in baseball are supposed to be that. They're supposed to be something that are celebrated. In Marlins Park, there's an entire suite dedicated to the pitchers who threw no hitters in Marlins franchise history. The Yankees hadn't had a road no hitter since Allie Reynolds, Jeffrey Loria's favorite player, side note, of interest to nobody but Jeffrey Loria who may or may not be listening to this. That's right, Derek. Allie Reynolds was the last person to pitch a road no-hitter for the Yankees because this no-hitter last night was in Texas. The last Yankees no-hitter was the perfect game by David Cohn. I don't remember when that was, but it was sometime in the 90s, maybe 99. So it doesn't happen all that often. So therefore, it should be celebrated. However, as an industry, that's micro. So when a team gets a no-hitter, the Padres get their first no-hitter in history. When the Mets got their first no-hitter in history with Johan Santana, it gets celebrated. That's micro. Macro is as an industry, do we have something we need to think about here? Yes, we deaden the ball. Yes, we have to think about defensive shifts. Yes, we have to think about ways to create offense. Dallas Braden had a very wonderful comment where he made it very clear the reason why no one hits singles anymore is you don't get paid for singles. He may have listened to nothing personal. Maybe not. Maybe so. Maybe go. Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw has sort of become a veteran sage spokesman. Now that he has a ring, his postseason struggles are behind him. He gave a long quote about the Corey Kluber no-hitter. And what struck me is that he his view is that it's not good. It's not good for the game. And he's not sure if it's the new ball that's causing it. He understands that there could be fewer home runs. Maybe there aren't. He wasn't doing 10,000 simulations of games. He wasn't going through every stat. And he said that his concept is that no-hitters are cool. And he respects Corey Kluber for throwing a no-hitter, et cetera. But his view is fans want to see hits. I, I get that. Fans want to see action. You're right, Clayton. Fans don't want to see so many people striking out. No doubt about that. But then his last line is the line that worried me. I appreciate the attempt that MLB has tried to do 
but I think it seems like they missed the mark. We'll see. I don't know. It's almost like a wait to see. Did MLB miss the mark? The union does get involved, Clayton. You can't separate yourself from things that don't go well in baseball and pretend that you have nothing to do with it. When the union is involved and everything the commissioner's office does, they do with the union in mind and the collective bargaining agreement in mind. So if owners are unhappy with something, they get together and try to change it. If players are unhappy with something, they get together and try to change it. And if there's any intersection in the changes that are wanted by players versus management, then that becomes an easy part of a collective bargaining agreement. But right now, they're so busy not trying to agree that even if the owners say, we want to pay more to young players, the players will say, wait a minute, this has to be a trick has to be a trap. Not every time when someone does something who you don't trust and they do something that looks like it could be trustworthy, that looks like it may be with good intentions, that looks like there may be a commonality of interest. Not every time is there line going on or posturing or negotiating. There could just be issue checking going on. Issue checking is when you're negotiating a deal and you've got 500, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, Hi, this is David Sampson from Nothing Personal. I've just cleared my throat without pressing the mute button because I'm back on set with a soundboard and I didn't press the right button. It's this button that said press mute. Did you hear that? Because you can really hear that. <laughs> there is no question that I lost my train of thought. That's very upsetting. I was in the middle of telling a story. 500 issues of summer. You want to find 300 of them that there's going to be no arguing over. An issue list is something that's just unresolved. It doesn't mean that there's a disagreement. So if you can check a box, you check it and say it's done. So the players and owners better get together and start checking issues. And these no hitters, you know, I understand what Kershaw is saying. I understand what fans are saying. I understand what CBS is saying when they want to go breaking news on another no-hitter. Eventually, we said it. No one was paying attention because it was regarding something on HQ, and they don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. But just remember, at some point, it's not that newsworthy. And that's Kershaw's point. And... You don't get paid for throwing a no-hitter. It's a nice accomplishment. It feels good. That's not where the money is. Kluber didn't get $11 million because he, he may have gotten a no-hitter, and he's not going to get $11 million next year because he threw a no-hitter. I promise you, when we're evaluating players, the fact that a pitcher threw a no-hitter does not even enter into the conversation. The fact that he had a one-hitter, a two-hitter, None of that enters the conversation. When we are evaluating which pitchers we are going to sign and why, it has to do with what we project them to be with us at what dollar value. Nobody from the White Sox said a word about the Kluber no-hitter that I saw. They were too busy trying to clean up their mess. I would, normally, I wouldn't want to revisit Tony Larusa, but you guys had so many questions that we had to do a segment about it, and it was pretty good. You know what I want? 
want to talk to Samson. Are you willing to play the music or not? I guess you're not. Okay. Coke is claiming he played the music, and for whatever reason, there's a technical glitch on my side where I can't hear the music that he's playing because we've got this great sort of sound for So You Want to Talk to Samson, and you've heard it. So this is a total waste of time to say I didn't. So You Want to Talk to Samson is when you get into my Twitter, David P. Samson. Put in direct messages, any question you have. There's so many that thank you. I really do thank you. I try to answer them as much as I can. Some of them make the show. Some of them go to the end of month mailbag episode, which we are going to have at the end of May. That's when we answer questions that you put in your Apple review. So go to Apple. Even if you don't have Apple, you can find a way to go to Apple. Is there a way to review on Spotify, Coca? Or to write reviews on Google Podcasts or any of the other places? Or is it just Apple where you can actually do a review? Well, on Spotify, I think the way it works is you follow, but in Apple, you review. So if you really do like nothing personal and you appreciate the fact that Coke is with me every day and we try to come to you every day, then follow on Spotify and review on Apple. Okay, so you want to talk to Samson? Someone sent me a great message the other day that they listened to the show Half-Baked, and that made me smile. Was it your left half? Was it your bottom half? Was it sort of like the body high? Was it the head high? <laughs> I know you discussed La Russa today. This question was asked yesterday, by the way. But how about his quote about Lance Lynn? Can you break that down? Would you fire him now? So Tony La Russa's got a problem. When you make a mistake, you have two choices, I've learned in business and in life. You can either double down on that mistake or you can acknowledge that you were wrong. What is the deal with people afraid to acknowledge that they were wrong? It sort of goes with the corrections we make on nothing personal. I'm wrong all the time. I'm wrong in my personal life. I'm wrong in my professional life. I'm wrong when I make certain arguments, I'm wrong when I have certain stats in my mind. I'm wrong when I form the basis of an opinion sometimes. And the opinion comes from the buttressing of information, which is a mixed metaphor, that I thought that I had. There are people who think that if they're ever wrong, that it will somehow chip away at the view people have of their profession perfection and profession. There are people who believe if they're wrong in an argument personally or professionally that it shows weakness. I have a totally different view of being wrong. It actually shows strength. It shows confidence. So when you're at work, for an example, and you do something wrong, just say, yeah, sorry, I was wrong. I will fix that. I will do it better next time. I will take what you taught me and change how I did the previous action when I have to do the next action. Tony LaRussa refuses to admit that, so he went the other way. And here's the other way. Do you know that today it rained? No, it didn't. No, no, no. Look, look outside. There's water on the ground. Someone was hosing the street. Well, what about the fact that there's people walking around with umbrellas that are wet. 
obviously they walked under scaffolding that was leaking. Do you see how absurd you sound? Tony La Russa has a problem with his team. And the problem with his team is that they don't like him. That's not a big problem if you're winning. Not everybody liked Jack McKeon. Not everybody liked anybody. You know, Coca, I was told by, uh, I was told a story I was out with, uh, this is totally unrelated to this, but about being wrong and not liking your manager or liking your manager. And I was wrong when, when I went in and fired Joe Girardi in the middle of a season, even though I, believe me, I wanted to, and even though I was told I had to. I found out I was in Atlanta and I was out with Dan Ugla and we were out getting drinks and getting dinner and having a great time. And he started telling me the story about the day that he was with the team when we fired Girardi. And he told me, and I never knew this, he took Girardi into the back of the clubhouse. And this was back at Pro Player. And he and Dontrell Willis sat down with Girardi and said, dude, you've got to apologize to Jeffrey. You can't get fired like this. We want you to stay. And Girardi, his response was, what? For what? And Uglo, and Trump said, well, what exactly happened? Yeah, I told him to sit down and shut up. Dude, you got to apologize. And I said, hey, Uggs, do you know what we were doing at the time? We were meeting with Jeffrey, me and Larry, the GM at the time, we're meeting with the owner saying, hey, we have to apologize for firing Girardi. So we were saying we have to apologize. The players were saying to Joe, you have to apologize. Meanwhile, nobody apologized. We just walked in and rehired him because we had a team meeting and the players said, please, please, please. That's not why we did it either. We did it because we had no one ready to manage the next day. We certainly had someone ready in 07 though. So the White Sox behind closed doors are not happy that La Russa does not have the back of his players, but it got worse yesterday. Lance Lynn is a, a pitcher who's been really good for Texas. They acquired him this off season to be a sort of middle of the rotation presence with the White Sox. And he's been around. I wouldn't call him a, a, he's not a difference maker by himself, but he can be part of a difference maker as a team, as a rotation inside the clubhouse. He's a nice piece. And you know my view of nice pieces. You have to have them around. So Lance Lynn gave a quote where he said that he will, in his mind, when you put a position player into pitch, which is what teams are doing all the time when there are blowouts in games, all of a sudden, all of the unwritten rules are gone. And his view is that unwritten rules should be gone anyway. The unwritten rules of baseball are famous. Don't run on don't swing on a 3-0 count when you have a big lead. Don't steal a base when you have a big lead. Don't score from third on a shallow fly ball with under two outs when you have a big lead. All of those things are unwritten rules. And I am against every unwritten rule because I've got a rule that I like instead. My rule is I want a new contract and I want to get paid more money. My rule is that I'm going to do anything to win a game 
And if I'm up 10 runs, I want to be up 15 runs. If I'm up 15, I want to be up 20. If I have a chance to score a run, which is the object of the damn game. Do you know that there's only one object in baseball? And, and I, I want to make sure that you're very clear as you get involved in all of your statistical iterations and all these great new ways of evaluating. Do you know there's only one stat that matters? Wins. And do you know how you get a win? Runs. We said it yesterday. I'm saying it again today. We want more runs. So Lance Lynn says when a position player pitches, no rules. Do you know what Tony Russo then said publicly, not even privately, publicly, which is this has got to be the end for Tony Russo very soon, even though Jerry loves him, even though the White Sox have a good record. Responding to Lance Lynn's comment, Tony LaRussa said, quote, Lance has a locker. I have an office. OMG. That's not a flex, folks. That's an idiotic statement made by an insecure, petty man who is desperate to make sure that people know that he wears a B-A-G-U-E from the H-O-F. Someone who knows that they are untouchable because of their relationship with the owner. I've been around a few untouchable people. Some of you may have thought I was untouchable. You'd be wrong. There were some untouchable people, except nobody's untouchable. You may think you are. There were plenty of people for the Marlins who thought they wouldn't get fired. Uh-oh, they got fired. No such thing as untouchable in this business, in any business. No matter how close you are, you may be riding the wrong horse. You may be riding the right horse. The right horse may become the wrong horse when the right horse goes the wrong direction. If you're smart, you ride as many horses as possible. At the same time, you just need wide legs and multiple pairs of boots. Tony LaRusso may have the protection of Jerry Reinsdorf right now, but at some point, Jerry Reinsdorf is going to buckle under because he'll have no choice. Because if there's a full mutiny in the clubhouse, and I mean a full mutiny, the likes of which I've seen, you've got to make a change and you can't get rid of all the players. Will Jerry Reinsdorf be willing to say, sorry, I was wrong? No, it's not his style been around Jerry long enough to know it's going to take a lot more than Tony LaRusso and his ridiculous comments about having an office versus a player with a locker. Do you know how insulting that is to players? To your employees? You sit in a cubicle and I sit in a windowed corner office. Boy, that makes me want to work hard for you. How about I sit in a cubicle and you get the office and you work for me? You've got the cojones to do that in your business, to empower people below you on the food chain, on the, in the corporate ladder, to hire people around you who want your job and who will do everything they can to get your job. Are you willing to surround yourself with those people? Are you willing to be secure enough in what you do for a living that you would never denigrate people and what they do or what their position is or how much money they make? The quote from Lance Lynn was perfect. The quote about Lance Lynn was embarrassing. I don't know that I would fire Tony La Russa now. People have been asking me that for two days now. 
You were president of the White Sox. Are you firing him for sure? I'm definitely talking to him, and I'm making sure he knows that his protection that Jerry's giving him, he used to have 10 layers of protection. He's now down to a single layer. He's no longer triple bagging it, folks. When that is the case, you're taking a risk. So Tony better be careful. I wouldn't fire him now, but darn soon. Okay. Ooh, do you know what's starting tomorrow or the next day? I think, I don't know when it's starting. I think it's gotta be soon. Is it today? It starts today? It started today. It's happening right now. The PGA Championship is back at the Ocean Course at Kiowa Island. That's the Gulf Resort in South Carolina. You don't want to miss any of this action. It's actually incredible. Everybody's playing, but not Tiger, but everybody else. To keep up with all the drama, watch the PGA Championship for free on the CBS Sports app. All you have to do is visit cbssports.com backslash forward slash. It's a slash. I get that wrong. I apologize. I'm doing that again. Ready, Coca? 68, 70, 69. The PGA Championship is back at the Ocean Course at Kiwa Island Golf Resort in South Carolina, and you won't want to miss any of the action. To keep up with all the drama, watch the PGA Championship for free. That's sort of obvious. On the CBS Sports app by visiting cbssports.com slash PGA Championship via your Paramount Plus or TV login on a connected TV. Did you get Paramount Plus? I did. I like it. A lot, a lot. What else happened today that we can talk about? How about Masai Ujiri? Do you know who that is? You should know who that is. He is the president of the Toronto Raptors. The Toronto Raptors won a championship two years ago. Last year was the Lakers. The year before was the Raptors with Kawhi Leonard, who's now in the Clippers. Masai Ujiri is being sought after by probably half the other teams in the NBA, and he's a free agent. People will say he's the biggest free agent of the offseason. I would not agree as much as I love to say that as a president, I'm the most important person in the organization because I've got the biggest corner office with windows and the rest of you have cubicles. The fact is the players are the most important because they're the ones who are going to decide. I'm just going to decide which players we're going to have. But you know who else matters more than I do? More than you, Masai? The owner. The owner decides how much money you get to spend and or waste if you make a bad signing. So Masai gave an interview, and I want to talk about this and what his future is and why he said the things he said, and it was quite interesting. He wanted to make sure that everybody knew that he is not about how much he's going to be offered. It's not about the value of his next deal. Horse hockey. Why don't you go work for a team that hasn't won a championship? Why don't you go to the Knicks? Get the Knicks a championship and do it with Jim Dolan and do it for a dollar. One dollar. Don't tell me it's not worth the money. Don't tell me you don't want to be the highest paid. Don't tell me you don't want a piece of a team because you do, you do, and you do. Because if you don't, you wouldn't be the best at what you do. He held a news conference and he was asked what his mindset would be in making the decision on what team to go to next. And I love those kind of news conference questions, press conference questions, because you can expect that that's going to be asked for sure, right? What is your thought process when you're choosing your new team? Players get asked that and executives who are obviously Ray Cherche asked that. And he said, 
It's not going to be money. I need to meet with the owners and get my questions answered. Larry and I are going to talk. That's Larry Tannenbaum, who's the head of Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, which is MLSE. They own a bunch of stuff in Toronto. I got some questions. A lot of things are done here he was talking about. We got to move forward. We got to compete for a championship. We want to be the best. But then here, here it is, ready? He's going to say to his owner, I want to know. I want to know what love is. What's the next lift? What's the next five years? What's the next 10 years? What? That's what you're going to ask the owner? And you call yourself the best president in basketball? Do you know that when you ask an owner what's going to be in five years or 10 years, do you know what their answer is? It's bull crap. They have no idea what the next five years or 10 years are going to be, but you want to guarantee that you can compete for the best free agents, that you're going to spend up to the cap, that you're going to use the salary cap aficionados to get around the cap, that you're going to make sure that you've got a better relationship with the government because you don't want to ever have to play anywhere other than Toronto, no matter if there's another pandemic. He went on, Ujiri did to talk about what a disadvantage the Raptors have, how disrespected they are in baseball, what a pain in, in basketball, how difficult it is for the NBA to deal with the fact that there's a Canadian team, all the issues they have to go through. I get it. I worked in Montreal. You're right. The NBA does not want a team in Canada. They do it because they did it. They got Vancouver out of there fast enough, didn't they? To Memphis. Toronto's a world-class city, but Canada doesn't make it easy. They don't make it easy for the players with taxes. They don't make it easy for the players and executives to move there as United States citizens and to deal with going back and forth with customs. They don't make it easy for anything during the pandemic. So Masai wants to know, what are you going to do about that? Are you kidding me? All right. Do you think that before next season, he's going to sit down with these owners Ask those questions and get them answered? No, not going to happen. Do you know what will inform his next move? Years, dollars, and percentage points. The number of years of his contract, the number of dollars of guaranteed money, and the number of percentage points of ownership that he gets in his next team. That's the conversation that's going to be had, not what's going to be on in 10 years. He acknowledged he's going to have asks, but he wants to have things addressed before he gets to his asks. I get why he said it. I really do. I do. He wants to not come off as being greedy or selfish. He wants to come off as understanding that he wants another championship. When you are in a position of strength and you're negotiating, here's what you should do. You go into your boss and you say the following. What am I worth to you? That's the only line you say when you're negotiating a contract, when you're a free agent. What am I worth to you? Don't give a number yourself because you may be undervaluing the worth to your boss because the way your boss will respond, what do you think you're worth to me? No, no, don't answer a question with a question. What am I worth to you? 
Yeah, I really don't know. Well, you better start calculating. Maybe do 10,000 sims without me. Tell me how it goes. Well, I think that you're worth $5 million a year. Thank you for saying that. I respect that. No matter what, let's say your boss says to you, I think you're worth $62,000 per year. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that you think that. Here's the 10 things I do for you that you don't realize up in your windowed office. Well, I'm in my cubicle. Here's the 10 things I do, and here's how it moves the needle financially for you. Here's how I deal with employees. Here's how I deal with all the logistics of being a Canadian team or whatever is the case in your own business. And then you counter way more. I think I'm worth $125,000. And you may not think that's reasonable because of the pay scale and the way you pay people in my position. But guess what? That just means you've got to think differently or give me a different title. You do whatever you have to do because you got to recognize that I'm worth a buck and a quarter, not 62. Fine. What are the risks? If you're Masai Ujiri, the risks are the Raptors say, stuff it. You're not worth 25 million, five points to the team and a 12-year deal. And you say, no problem, because I've already been talking to other teams. I know exactly that I'm worth 125K or 10 mil or 100 mil, whatever number you choose. That's what you do in a negotiation. We'll be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you for making it through the gauntlet of drops and mid-roll drops, pre-roll drops, post-roll drops, just Tootsie Roll drops. You've come across nothing personal and you have followed and you've reviewed and rated and I thank you. I watch a movie every day. I watched uh, and so I review it. Yes, I, I actually do. Here is the movie I watched. Uh, it was either yesterday no, no, I know what I watched yesterday. I'm actually reviewing what I watched yesterday on the local hour with Levitard. I'm reviewing what I watched the day before here because I want to talk a little bit more about it. There's a movie, a new movie 
on some channel and Coke. I can't remember what it is. It's called Those Who Wish Me Dead. It's with Angelina Jolie and Nicholas Holt. I think it was on HBO Max as part of that deal. Part of the deal on HBO Max is that you get to see movies that are in theaters for 30 days. I love that. So Nicholas Holt is my guy from Warm Bodies, former boyfriend of of Jennifer Lawrence, <clears throat> the uh, star of that TV show that I liked with Ella Fanning. Coke, I can't remember what that was called. I want to say it was called The Royals, but I think I'd be wrong. But Nicholas Holt played this uh, sort of very interesting king-like character. But Those Who Wish Me Dead is not that. It's Angelina Jolie plays a firefighter who's got some demons, sort of an action movie. She ends up having to protect a kid who people want to kill. The whole movie is about hitmen trying. It's called The Great. Thank you, Coca. Welcome to the show. I thought you've got like 10 monitors now since your last raise from CBS where you could do things way faster, where you know what I'm going to say before I say it. Yeah, maybe not. So Those Who Wish Me Dead is about these people. Nicholas Holt is one of them, who is a... It is like John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson and Pulp Fiction, except not as funny and not as interesting, and not as well written. They're trying to kill someone who may have information. You don't know what the information is. You don't know what happened. You don't know anything other than they're trying to kill someone. And somehow the boy ends up with Angelina Jolie. Somehow Angelina Jolie gets to write a previous wrong from a previous life and gets to protect the boy. Will she protect the boy? Will she not protect the boy? It's not even wait to see worthy. Of course she'll protect the boy. It's not very good cinema if the boy gets shot right between the eyes. And it's not for lack of trying. It's an interesting action movie and a gotcha movie in that, like Pulp Fiction, you never really know what's in the briefcase. People speculate what's in the briefcase, that glowing briefcase in Pulp Fiction. It could be Marcellus Wallace's soul. Because remember, he wears the Band-Aid on the back of his head. That's one of my favorite theories. You never know. Those who wish me dead with Angelina Jolie. It's not a hard pass. It's sort of a very soft, nah, if it's in the background and you already are a subscriber to HBO Max, then I'm all okay with you watching the movie. It's a great background movie. Those who wish me dead. Nothing personal pick of the day. How did we do yesterday? Please tell me that you guys made some money yesterday. Guys, girls, them, there, he, her, she, her. Grizzlies minus four over the Spurs did not start well for us because we pushed. The Grizzlies won by four. The Grizzlies were up 20. It was a slam dunk. They won by four. Gambling's hard. Warriors, Lakers, who stayed up for it? What is the NBA doing? I get it. The game is in LA. I get it. You can't play a four o'clock game because players don't like playing at four o'clock because they've got an internal clock. And that internal clock says we play at seven o'clock or seven ten. I totally get it. But in the playoffs, your internal clock has to change. We would talk to our players during spring training when your clock changes and also during the playoffs. So I only got to do that one time. But we may be playing at 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock. We don't know. Be ready anytime. We're going to get the schedule. You may only get it one day in advance. Just be ready. No excuses. 
Lakers Warriors at 10 o'clock drove me crazy. Were you awake when LeBron hit the three? Were you from 30 feet? Lakers 103, Warriors 100. Guess what? Warriors covered. That's a win. Were you worried? I wasn't. I was worried about the Steph Curry prop bet. I asked Coca when we were preparing for the show this morning, could someone explain to me how the over-under on Steph Curry was 36 and a half at William Hill? Who makes that? How do they come up with 36 and a half as Steph Curry's over-under for points scored in the game against the Lakers? Well, I told you to go over. And God dog it, dang it, he scored 37. How does that happen? So we went 2-0-1. That means we're now 69 and 45. We are leaving 20 games over in the rear view mirror. 69 and 45. All right, we got a big game today. It's a win in your in, losing your out game. Wizards, Pacers. The Wizards are favored by three over the Indiana Pacers. Russell Westbrook coming off a bad game against the Celtics. This is to play for the right to play the Philadelphia 76ers as the number one seed. Well, I've got to wait to see that says the Wizards don't make the playoffs, but we're taking the Wizards minus three tonight, which means I can't lose, but you could, but you won't. I think as well as the Pacers played, Russell Westbrook won't have back-to-back -back games like that. He wants to make the playoffs for Scotty Brooks, his coach. He wants to have a turnaround season. He wants to show the Houston Rockets how inept they are. There's a lot he wants to do. And in order to do it, you got to beat the Pacers. Wizards minus three. So I want to get back to the wait to see. Wait to see is when we acknowledge that something's going to happen. We say wait to see. That's my thing. Hashtag wait to see. Well, I'm going to revisit it because I'm that guy. So the Lakers, I believe, are now playing the Suns in the first round. Is that right, Coca? The Lakers are now the seventh seed. That means they play two, which is the Phoenix Suns. The Suns who lost the number one seed to the Jazz. The Suns who are a very good team. That is a very good first round playoff matchup. I can't wait. But guess what? The Lakers aren't going to repeat, but they aren't going to lose in the first round either. The Lakers are going to beat the Suns. My wait to see when I was preparing for the show, funnily enough, was that the winner of Lakers Warriors was going to win the first round against the Suns. No matter who won that game to become the seventh seed, that's who was going to be the winner of the first round. So I'm still keeping the wait to see. The winner of the Lakers-Warriors game will win the first round versus the Suns. Okay, I want to end the show with something that happened yesterday that is a, uh, or it either was yesterday or the day before. We didn't get to it yesterday, even though it was in the show rundown. But I had to get to it today. Do you remember back during pandemic times when universities were losing money hand over fist and they were announcing that they were cutting sports? They were saying, we have no choice. We, are, we can't play because of COVID. Therefore, our budgets are being blown. We're not getting money from boosters. We're not getting money from ticket revenue. We're totally screwed here. So we can't finance all these other sports, which is what football does and what basketball does. They finance lesser known sports. Stanford was one of the first schools to come out and say, we're going to eliminate 11 sports in college. And there was an uproar about that. And I said to you on a much earlier episode, maybe way earlier in the pandemic when this was announced, 
I said, they have no choice because of the budget. And there's only one way that that can ever be fixed. And in college, the way sports teams get fixed or saved or the way they get better and get better players is an influx of legal philanthropic donations with a focus on the donation, semi-focus on philanthropic because I want to give people the benefit of the doubt that they give money to sports programs, not for access to the players, not to be jock sniffers, not to say that they've got sort of that they're BSDs and they, that they get to go to parties and say what they do. I want to say that they do it because they're good people. Doesn't always work that way, but that's how you save a team. Stanford brought back 11 varsity sports the other day. Every sport they canceled is now back in the game. How? Because they raised the money. They didn't take it out of their operating budget. They went out and got boosters. They called them donors, but the real name is boosters. To give money that can be used to make sure these sports are put back in the budget. Why don't all teams do that? Because not all teams have the level of the layers of people to go to to get money from. Stanford would not be one of those. Stanford clearly has the depth of graduates and alums who can give. And what I loved about it is that Stanford didn't run from it. They were completely honest about what happened. As opposed to other programs that try to hide it, I think honesty is the best policy. You went out, you got the money. What we had to do to get the money, I'm not going to mention, but we got it. The SEC is in the same position. Teams in the SEC are on their cracker. They lost a lot of money. But the SEC just cut a huge media rights deal with the network. And the SEC just made a huge distribution to each of its member schools in order to help them with the losses suffered by the COVID pandemic and to make sure that programs and facilities can be upkept, programs can be maintained. The SEC gave these teams over $20 million, all 14 of them. How great is that? Here's the problem. It was basically an upfront payment, which means later on, they will get fewer dollars. So the SEC did not get it from boosters or philanthropes. They got it from themselves. That's a bad plan. That's a Ponzi scheme because in 10 years when they were supposed to get a distribution of 30 million and they could only get 25 million because they already got money all those years ago that was already spent, they're going to have to find a way to replace that money. Teams, organizations, leagues, everyone is struggling trying to figure out how to get past the pandemic because while things are opening up, rules are getting loosened. The reality of the money lost by businesses is real. And it's going to be felt for years, not days, not weeks, not months, but years. Because back in those boardrooms, you know what they're saying. It's just business. This is nothing personal. 